0: The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc.
1: Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi.
0: About Good morning, welcome to the show. Thanks for being part of the show. The total financial hour, two hours this, two hours this morning. Hey, we're talking about your family's finances. Getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future, deciding what's happening in the political, financial world, Washington, Sacramento, how does it impact you? Does it matter? Right, we've talked about this before, but I think you really need to understand. When you're watching the news today, it's run by the entertainment division. You see, it used to be run by the news division, which meant it wasn't designed as a profit center. It was more of as a public service. So you would have the news for 25 minutes. Yeah, 25 minutes a day. And it would tell you the highlights of what was happening. Now you had national news. So anything that was national that would impact the country versus regional. Okay, I'll give you a good example. Uh, Mass shooting in Seattle. What does that have to do with the folks in Dallas? Columbus, Ohio, Detroit, nothing, right? So in the old days, if you will, in the olden days, kid, when I was your age, right? During that time, they wouldn't report it. I mean, it was remarkable, certainly. So maybe it would get some mention, but overall it wasn't designed. There was no value in reporting it because it didn't impact the rest of the folks, now, if there was something that was happening with national policy, of course, you would see it. Now, regionally, the same thing. Regionally, what was happening to you in in the, the San Fernando Valley, Southern California, Orange County? Okay, there's a problem in Orange County. What do you care that there's a problem in Sacramento? I don't mean the, the, the political part of Sacramento. But if there's a train derailment in Sacramento, okay, that's nice. Car accident, multiple people. These are all tragedies. My point is, what's the value of and having you watch it. Well, very little, except the advertising value. I mean, <laughs> let's not forget that. And where I would see this transition happen as you start to move more and more towards this is when Pfizer was sponsoring sponsoring the NFL games. Who cared that Pfizer would sponsor the NFL games, meaning I'm not going to buy a drug or say, doctor, give me this blood pressure medicine instead of that because of Pfizer, right? That would be, who cares? I I don't even know who makes those medications. As a patient, that's the doctor's job. Doctor's job is to research, see what's wrong with my my back, my knee, my blood pressure, my liver, my kidneys, and, and prescribe it accordingly. So what's the value of drug companies advertising on news stations? What's the value of drug companies advertising on national uh, baseball uh, games or the NFL? Right? When Major League Baseball says we're going to mandate everybody get the shot, did nobody put two and two together? Nobody said we can't come out and speak against this because if we do our main advertiser, that is spending billions of dollars in national advertising uh, platforms? I mean, you understand, right? The government gets money, prints it, gives it to Pfizer. Pfizer turns around, gets the money, and gives it to Major League Baseball, NFL, Channel 4 News, Channel 7 News, Channel 2 News, CNN, MSNBC. Moderna is the same, right? So, So the government doesn't have to control the media, doesn't have to say, NBC News, you cannot say this, ABC News, you cannot say this, it doesn't have to, it just has to give money to the drug companies, the drug companies in turn commit to writing a check for quote advertising, making the world a better place, Pfizer, 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 Pfizer. did you want Moderna to be with you when the times are tough? Well, we're here for you. 30-second commercial. Don't worry about the pay, uh, the price. We're not even going to negotiate the price, says the drug companies. All you got to do is just tell us and we will write a check. So do you think the newscast that is now about entertainment and advertising dollars is going to say anything? Are they going to say anything about how many people have passed away, about the thousands of doctors that signed on to the Barrington Declaration, about the COVID lab leak and how Fauci was dishonest? not once, but countless times in front of congress. I mean you can look that up. That's now done. We know that it's over. Fauci lied about the US government through the National uh, Institute for Health and the CDC funneling money sometimes to a third party directly to the uh, the Wuhan lab and their goal was to study how quickly the virus would replicate in people, how quickly it would transmit across the country, the world. That's what they did. Okay, so we know that. And then the government comes along and gives these drug companies money to advertise on the same places that you and I are supposed to say, wait a second, does that make any sense? Now you might say, why is that an important part of our retirement money? Very simple. Because if you can't trust them there, and I've told you the story, I told you the story. Channel Four News was 1990, 1990, right? It was NBC, KNBC News. I remember I was I was the policeman at the scene, and I'm the one that gave the information to the uh, to the reporter. And I remember giving the information to the reporter. Going home that night, seeing a rerun. On my little black and white TV, I had a little nine-inch black and white TV, trying to unwind from working all, you know, three to midnight, and it's the rebroadcast, I don't know, one or two in the morning, whenever they rebroadcast it, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Huh. That sounds a little bit like the case that I was on. Oh, wait. He's actually saying that information. That's not what I told him. That's not what happened. I was there. And from that time on, I realized that the media, in Los Angeles especially, Southern California, its job was to push a particular agenda, and at the time it was about race, denying which races would commit crimes and which races were victims of crimes, just like today. Right? It, 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 it's horrible because such a small, small, small percentage of people actually commit crime. But the crime that's committed against Asians, it's not this Asian hate crime, go after these white supremacists. (laughs) What is it, 94% or 96%? It's known to be male blacks of a particular age? I I mean, do we not know this? Horrific. 99%, I I don't know, 98.6% of male blacks of that age are great people. I, I don't know the reason why you wouldn't say that who who the the race is. Uh, Listen, if you don't want to, I don't care. You don't have to. Don't say it. But then don't make it seem like the white supremacy and the right wing and the MAGA Republicans. Don't make it sound like they're racist and they're the ones committing crime. Right? The Proud Boys. Remember that Proud Boys, the racist Proud Boys. The leader is a black man. What are you talking about? Proud Boys. There's Hispanics that are part of, quote, the Proud Boys, racist, white (laughs) supremacy. This is... So my point is, when it's all driven by the same group of people who get money from the government to support these uh, programs, same thing with China. China knew it didn't have to do anything except give money to the NBA. It didn't have to do anything except sell a certain amount of LeBron James's shoes. That's it. And we own them. We control them. Why? Because courage doesn't exist. Courage just like Dennis Prager says, truth is not a left-wing value. Unless you're a gay, transgender, cisgender, uh, LGBT with fake breasts, speaking out in front of a Toronto or Calgary <laughs> school. Or so. Oh, you so so courageous. Unless you're a man who's pretending to be a woman and you're going to run a race and be the person who decides that you're going to... T- be in track and field, and surprise, you win. Oh, I think the parents of those other young ladies on that relay team should be ashamed of themselves. There's no question. People should look at it and go, hmm, something's wrong somewhere. We had a woman running, a man, uh, rather, running in the woman's group, and, quote, we won. Right? You realize... It's up to you to stand up for this stuff because nobody else will. Nobody. I know all of us want to take that vacation. You can take a vacation, be on the beach, go for it. But I'm talking to you. You guys know who I'm talking to. You come into my office. You talk about how courage is important. I need you to step up because now what are they talking about? Oh, now they're talking about wanting to arrest the former president of the United States for a misdemeanor in a non-jurisdictional case that is even questionable at that. And yet, Ilhan Omar, who is married to two people at the same time, immigration fraud, commits more crimes in in one week than the President of the United States, and nobody touches her because she's part of the left-wing squad. Right? And remember, you're going to use the left wing. From now on, I want you to use left wing, left wing, left wing. That's what they are. They are not progressives. They're they are they're left wing. And by doing that, you can stand up. You see, because if you don't have the ability to have courage, then they don't have to push anything. Right? LeBron James doesn't have courage. He has zero courage. He's one of the weakest, weakest Influential uh, people I know, right, as a famous person. I don't know him personally. But Brookline High School Jr. in Massachusetts and the other three women who were part of that team should be ashamed of themselves. You cheated and you lied and you won. Shame on you. Look, if there's a conservative talk show host out there, you know what he should do is take the second place team and give them an award. That's what you should do. Run a uh, another competition and don't invite Brookline. Brookline, you're cheaters. You don't get to come. You just qualified yourself by having a Chloe Barnes, maybe a nice human, pe- human being, still created in God's image. Of course. Last year, you competed on the track team for the men and you stunk. You couldn't do it. I'm sorry. Listen, if I tried, I couldn't do it. Even when I was in high school, I was a pretty fast runner in high school, but no way in heck could I have ever competed at the regional city-wide level. I mean, not even close. What, do do you care about my feelings? No, I went and found something else I was good at. I said, oh, I stink. I was a high school swimmer. Swam for two years in high school, one year in college. Guess what? About halfway through my college career I, in swimming, I said, I stink at this. I, I mean, it's fun, but it's also hard work. You got to be in the pool at about five in the morning, every morning, which means you got to wake up about four to get over to school, to, to get in the college pool. Stinky, horrible. And when, you, when you're not winning, it's just not fun. And I stopped growing at about five, eight, and the men on my team had arms that looked like condors. They were so large and so thin, these guys, and so tall. They they were amazing. They were swimming specimens. Okay, well, that's their career, right? Or at least for that period of time. When are you guys gonna stand up? When are we gonna stand up? Right, we we care about our financial well-being, that's great. I think you need a source of income To stand up, I think you need to have the ability to protect your principal so it doesn't matter what's happening in the market. So it doesn't matter if they try to cancel you. Right? Look at the very successful people, Hollywood uh, actors, that don't care about being canceled. They're conservative, right? Tom Selleck. You realize Tom Selleck's dad owned most of the corners, maybe a slight exaggeration, but not much. Most of the corners in the San Fernando Valley. If you go to the San Fernando Valley back, remember there used to be little farms on the corner. I remember this 50 years ago. Little farms on the corner, little little uh, fruit stands, that kind of thing. His dad was buying up these corners and they would put a little strip mall, right? Where you'd have a nail salon, a liquor store. You'd have maybe a, a little dry cleaner, right? Remember those things? Maybe a little shot. And the parking was always horrible, still is. There still exists. Well, Tom Selleck's dad owned most of that, developed most of that. He was a part of that. Tom Selleck is one of the largest real estate owners in Hawaii because during the Magnum PI, instead of blowing it on silly things, he bought real estate because he listened to his dad. So when he comes out as conservative and you guys say, Oh, let's cancel him. We're never going to watch another blue, blue, uh, whatever that New York blue. You know what I'm talking about? TV show. He's like, doesn't matter. I'm still worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It doesn't matter to me. You can't cancel me. Right? So so minus a lot of zeros for you and I, right? But you don't have to be canceled. You can stand up for the silliness, for the lies of these. Look, my heart breaks for a transgender athlete. It does. Because they're confused. They're probably nice people. They probably have an amazing heart, but when it comes to this, they're liars and cheaters. That's it. And, and you, oh, here's here's what the lack of courage person said. Oh, well, you don't understand. You know the way it works, uh, Arif. Is the uh, you know they the medical establishment is. Uh, Right? Listen to LeBron James try to explain how China has prisoners making his athletes, uh, his, his athletic shoes. How, how China has prisoners, Uyghurs, Muslims mostly, but Christians as well, in concentration camps. And there's now been reports that have leaked out that have now been substantiated by the U.S. government, although very quiet, about organ transplant. You guys, this is like something from a sci fi movie. And instead of the NBA standing up and having courage, the commissioner does, Ah, oh, well, you know, to each his own. To each his own. I'm like, okay. That sounds a little bit like the same Vichy in France. Right? That said, I'm on the team, but I'm not on the team, but I'm over here, but I just don't want any waves because my wealth is directly proportioned to the crazies coming out of Hollywood. Or... Washington, D.C., or even Sacramento. All right, so courage is important. I want to get into some of this that I'm starting to hear a lot from you guys, and and we're doing them on occasion, but I need you to know the differences. Whenever a financial professional of any sort, license, degrees, anything, tells you you can get a guarantee of 8% when the world is given three and four and five. The first thing on your mind is to say something is wrong somewhere. Now, now something, maybe the thing that's wrong isn't a big deal. Maybe the catch is not a problem. Okay, I'm all right with that, right? Sometimes, uh, look, companies are giving bonuses, 20, 30% bonuses, meaning you deposit 100,000 tomorrow, it says 120 or $130,000. What's the catch? You learn the catches and you say, okay, it's okay with me, or you know what? It doesn't work for me. But if somebody is telling you that you're going to get a 7, 8, 9% guaranteed, ask yourself this. If that was really the case, every single bank in the world would give money to that institution, get their 7 or 8 or 9%, lend it to you and me in the form of a car or a house at 4 or 5 or 6% and keep the spread, keep the difference. Right? I, mean, I mean, you understand that they're going to earn six, eight percent. That's an incredible amount of money that comes in. They, they can turn around and give it to me on a credit card for 30 percent. Do you realize how much money the banking systems that the, the recently collapsed banking systems would have if there was such thing as that? So what is the catch? Because it kind of is there, but not really. OK, it's this. Companies will say, we will give you a guarantee of 7 or 8%, whatever the number is, and we'll give you that guarantee provided that you are okay with these catches. So here's what they are. Number one, there's a fee. Sometimes the fee is on the smaller number. Most of the time today, my, what I'm encountering is that fee is on the bigger number, meaning the fee increases by 8% every single year. So what you think is a 1% fee ultimately becomes a fee that is so large that it eats up your money. And the only thing you have left is next month's paycheck. All of your principal over time could be gone. That's important. Because if the purpose of the money is maybe I need it for emergencies, maybe I don't. Maybe I need it here, but maybe I don't. You're just not sure. Okay, well, then have an account that meets that uncertainty. But if you're going to have an account where somebody says you're going to get a guarantee of a certain rate, you have to ask, what's the catch? And really, today, it's what's the catch is. Right? The multiple things, multiple pieces and parts that I have to be, that I just have to watch out for. And why does that matter to you? Because I always want the purpose of the money to equal the place of the money. So the job of the money is for lunch tomorrow. That's in your pocket. 20 bucks. Got it. The job of the money is to pay my mortgage next month. Better be in my savings or checking account. The job of the money is to give me lifetime medical attention. Okay. A life insurance policy, long-term care policy, certain retirement accounts, lifetime medical designed longer term down the road. But what about the accounts that say, hey, Eric, you've been talking about being financially independent and not, you know, $10 million a year. No, no, no. I mean, financially independent where I can travel, I can move. I don't don't get canceled. I can sit on this board. I can stand up for this that I believe in without worrying about somebody taking away my income. What about that purpose of that income? Okay, that's an income account. But you don't have to give up or pay a fee to get it. You don't. You can get average rates of return without a fee. You can have access to money if you need it. You can get the bonuses as a death benefit to your beneficiaries. right? In some of these income accounts where they say it's 7 or 8%, one of the catches is your family doesn't get that account. right? For some of these, they don't get it. You have to pay an increased fee every single year, and when you pass away, the amount your family gets has minimized so low that they don't get it. The secondary thing, by the, that that fee is increasing every single year, even if you have a zero, right? Well, that's fine. That income account gets 8%. But they charge you a fee that is 8% higher every single year. And what does that mean? It's very simple. It means about every eight or nine years, the fee doubles. So if you're 50 or 55 years old and you're not going to touch the money until you're 65 or 70, you're just about out of that account. It starts to eat itself up rather quickly. It's kind of like this snowballing effect if you're not careful. So some of these accounts could end up eating up all of your money. And the only thing you're left with is a paycheck. And when you pass away, the insurance company keeps all of your money. Tough luck. See you later. Thank you. So you just have to ask yourself, what's the job of the money? If the job of the money is, I have, you know, I have uh, 10 different accounts and the job of these two is to create an income stream to pay my food, shelter, clothing, and I'm willing to give up the money, give up the principal, give up the balance of that account and the rest of those eight accounts that I have left. That's fine. Those are going to be my wealth. That's that's how I pass on money. And you're willing to give up the balance of those two? Then maybe this account can work for you. But you just have to be careful. I hear a lot of guys pushing them out there. And I think there's more to the story. Are there good accounts that are bonus and income-driven? Of course there are. Are there great accounts that are designed to give you multiple streams of income? Of course there are. But just know what the catches are. Just know what the purpose is of that account. And if it fits what you do, great. Here's what I want you to do. Look, uh, let me give you our phone number. If I can help you and you can always call and, and run it by me, I'll do the math and I'll tell you, hey, it's a great account or it's not. A second opinion is always valuable. You don't want a second opinion from the same person who gave you a first opinion. All right, our number is triple eight ninety nine retire triple eight ninety nine retire I'll give you a, a, a good uh, example. I had a gentleman come in. A couple of weeks ago, it about $2.8 million, let's say. And he says, hey, Eric, I want to put some with you, about $800,000, 900000 And I want to leave the rest in the stock market. We'll call it Morgan type account. Okay, great. Puts it in that account. Life is good. Except he says, I'm going to ask her what she thinks, the broker. I'm going to ask her what she thinks if I should move it. I said, you realize she makes somewhere around $1,000 a month. From your account. You're going to ask her, Hey, is it okay if I cut your pay by $1,000 a month? What do you think she's going to say? Well, of course not. Airf's a bad guy. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then the next thing she says to him when he says, well, I really want to do it. Guess what she says? Okay. I can do that for you. You see, each person has an expertise. Let us trust it with yours. We'll be back in just a minute. Arif Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. Your place for news, talking information. We'll be right back.
1: Thanks to Araf Halabi. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Araf makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi.
0: Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks. I want to get started. As we continue, 888 997 3847. 888 retire. I'm going to give you the good news and the bad news. So what do you want first? Think about it. The good news or the bad news. Some of you want good news first. Some of you want bad news first. So I'm going to give you, I'll give you the good news first. right? right. I'm going to, just because I want to get you in a better mood before I tell you what I think is the bad news. All right. Uh, well, maybe this is bad news too, I guess. Uh, a group of 11 lenders, this is NPR's reporting, a group of 11 lenders say they will deposit $30 billion in the beleaguered mid-sized lender. It's called SVB Bank, right? Sil- Silicon Valley Bank. In order to prop it up. All right, why is that important to understand? Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one is Silicon Valley Bank is a bank whose job it is, was to support the high-tech industries up in Silicon Valley. Now, I don't understand how we can have a $250,000 limit on deposits, and then you also expect Silicon Valley Bank and everybody out, Roku, uh, Netflix, uh, and even come downtown to Joe's Manufacturing, uh, and on and on, they receive deposits greater than that. You guys have received deposits greater than that, right? You sell a condo, you sell a house, you sell an apartment building, and you're going to receive a deposit, a lot more than 250000 right? A little house in... The middle of Mississippi deposits, 380000 right? These aren't small things. Very important you understand this. These big dollars that come in are a lot more than 250000 That's one thing. Okay, you can get it there the next day, spread it out into a few other banks or another account. Okay, I'm with you on that. But here's the problem that I have. How are you supposed to pay payroll? For a lot of these banking institutions, their payroll is greater than $250,000 in a month. Sometimes, well, Amazon for certain is more than 250000 every two weeks. So explain to me how you're supposed to have a payroll account to track and pay all of these companies' uh, expenses. right? If you're a company like McDonald's and you have corporate-owned stores, your, leasy, your leases on a monthly basis are probably greater than 250000 Only when you add up Southern California, let alone the rest of the country, So it isn't just exclusive to Southern California, to Silicon Valley Bank. It's exclusive to the entire world. Right? These are important, important things. Because if you don't understand this, then you won't understand the solutions or potential solutions for the banking system. And what I mean by that is this. You have to do a couple of things. The current banking system is only so-so in efficiency. Here's what you have propping it up. This is important. You have Bank of America, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Wells Fargo. They're each going to deposit five billion dollars. Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley will deposit two point five billion, and then some other uh, institutions are going to put in a, about another five billion. I want to draw your attention to this. The 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 lying son of a guns in the federal government Jerome Powell Janet Yellen dishonest liars you have to call them that don't don't let them hide behind well it's just ordinary politics it's just the way it goes. it's politics you say blue I say blue in you know tomato tomato eh. no no folks Uh, it's not gonna here's the lie ready it's not gonna affect the average uh, taxpayer it's not gonna be taxpayer money liar Bank of America has what? Merrill Lynch. You don't think Merrill Lynch is going to have to bring in more money to support Bank of America? You don't think Citigroup's financial division? Do I even need to say what J.P. Morgan Chase is J.P. Morgan Chase? Wells Fargo Securities? Remember they bought Wachovia? After 2008, Wachovia used to be a big securities company, big investor, just like Merrill Lynch and Raymond James and, uh, and Edward Jones and on and on and on. all these other companies, Wachovia and then Merrill, well, they were going under, Wachovia was, so Wells Fargo bottom. Goldman Sachs, uh, financial firm, Morgan Stanley, financial firm. So you have JPMorgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, and Merrill Lynch through Bank of America. You need to have some sort of a secondary group, not a bank, because they can only go up to 250000 Now, my recommendation is a bank needs to go up to 500000 That's it. A bank should have $500,000 because you have to. You can sell a condo in the middle of the San Fernando Valley and get more than $500,000 in your bank, let alone a home. Right land two hundred and fifty thousand doesn't work anymore. So they have to raise the insurance. Now listen, if you're gonna insure a Rolls Royce, five hundred thousand, it will cost a lot more to insure than a C class Mercedes. And a C class Mercedes is a lot more to insure than a Ford pickup truck. So when we had a hundred thousand dollars, that's my Ford pickup truck example, right? It didn't cost as much to insure. And then we went to C-Class Mercedes, that's $250,000. And now we're going Rolls-Royce, $500,000. You have to have more money. You You have to get a greater amount of deposits, insurance premiums from the banks. So some banks can't afford it. Tough luck, you're going to have to. So I think that's going to force a consolidation. The second thing is you need to understand that the financial money market accounts that are on deposit at these institutions... Right, we only had one time in history where we did something called breaking the buck. Breaking the buck. That's where the money market account that used to be a dollar went down to, you know, 90 cents and some change, 92 cents or 95 cents, whatever it was. And you lost a little bit of money in your money market account. Now it came back because the federal government couldn't afford to have that. Because money market accounts are supposed to stay at $1 per share, and what goes up and down is the interest rate the stock market world, what goes up and down is the purchase price or the share price. right? That goes up and down. But the interest rate is what's supposed to go up and down in the money market account. My point is, if they're going to be taking these dollars, these funds, these monies, and it's not going to come from taxpayers, where's it going to come from? You! Oh, by the way, you're a taxpayer. So is there enough money to support this? Probably. Uh, You know, Bank of America, Citigroup, they're big, big companies. Wells Fargo, huge. But when they start opening the branch and putting in stock market folks in the back desk, and they know that you know that I know that you're confusing people, because some people think those dollars that they put inside of a bank where it has a sticker on the outside when you walk in the door, right? You walk in the door, FDIC, Guaranteed by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Yeah, insurance company, insurance corporation. And you walk in and you sit with that person in the back and his desk is in the same room. Her desk is in the corner with the little glass thing around it. Do they think they're, that, that you are for sure, you understand, you know when you're giving money to that person inside of a bank that it is not insured? no. They know that they're kind of thinking sort of maybe, kind of, sort of, if maybe possible. That you're thinking because you're walking into a bank with a sticker on the outside that it must be insured. It's not insured. And that's the kind of money that they're going to use to prop up these people. In some form or fashion, maybe in fees, maybe the actual dollars, I don't know. So how are they going to support these banks? Well, they're going to try their best to keep this from, you know, there's nothing to see here, boys and girls. We'll see. We'll see if people who have huge monies on deposit are going to trust these mid-sized banks, these small and mid-sized banks. I don't know. I hope so. Right. We, we don't want to collapse. We don't want that regional bank uh, space, right, that the regional bank institutions. We don't want them to disappear. I think they're great banks. Many of them. They care about the community. They're regional. They care about the system. So I hope they stay. I hope they stay. Okay, here's what I think is my bad news. Ready? How are we going to save Social Security? Because the the left wing is not deciding to save it. President Biden's budget had zero, zero impact to save Social Security. He doesn't want to touch it. I've always told you he was a coward. And the evil person in the story is his wife? She knows better, and she keeps putting him out there. Her job is is to protect him. You realize the chief of staff and all those other people. Their job is to promote their own careers, right? Their job is to make themselves look better for the next gig and the next place to go. That's why everybody jumped ship when Kamala Harris was in, was uh, you know saying started saying dumb things and looking silly. Her staff said, listen, I have a I have a 40-year career here that I'm trying to set up, and I'm not even halfway through that, and I'm not going to be tied to this crazy lady. So they bailed, right? They bailed. They did something else in Washington. They worked for a lobbyist firm. They worked for a marketing firm, something, somewhere. So President Biden, it's understandable that the people around him have that as, a, as an objective. That's just what it is. It's the animal. But your wife your husband, your wife, the job of that person is not their own political ambitions. It's supposed to be to care and protect you as a person. So that's why I say she's the son of a gun in the story, because I can't curse. The FCC doesn't like that, and I'm not a cursing man generally anyway, but but she's definitely the son of a gun in the story. All right, here's how we're going to save Social Security. So forget President Biden. He's not going to do anything about it. And the left and the right, each of them want to not, you know, blame each other. You want to push granny over the cliff. You want to kill social security. You hate old people. Did you want to save social security? Let's just say yes or no. Medicare. Uh huh. Got it. Okay. Couple of things. One, you can't let illegal aliens have Medicare. You can't. Period. Sorry. Love them. Go back to Mexico or buy a health insurance plan. <gasps> Wait, you mean actually let them buy health insurance? Yeah. Yeah, let them send in their little funny money orders. Let them go to Western Union and transfer money to Blue Cross. Those Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, they all sold out during the Obamacare. They looked out for themselves. They didn't look out for you. So fine. Now it's time for illegal aliens to have their own insurance per, you know, pool. Let them have it. I'm okay with that. It's you know, commerce. Let them buy into it. It's their own. Maybe it's the same as you and I. Fine. Maybe it isn't. Insurance companies will have to decide because remember, they're greedy, son of a guns, profit driven. So, illegal aliens, you cannot be part of me- Medicare. Sorry. Next. Here's how you save Social Security and Medicare. Number two, you have to raise the beginning limit. No longer can you get it at 62. If you're 55 or younger in Arif's land, you have to take the minimum age from Social Security from 62. And you have to move it to 65. Now, look, the riots in France this last week. I don't know if you saw it. Surprise! Riots in France. What? Socialist France? Remember socialism is amazing? Remember no problems? Yeah. The riots in France. Let's be clear on this. There's a couple of things matter. In France, I want to tell you how many people rioted. What was uh, da, 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 da. Anti-pension bill protests. Burn Macron. President Macron was burned in effigy in Paris. Oh my gosh, my heart breaks. Oh, the left-wing socialist actually—I know this is going to shock you—but actually did something to save his his country's pension because without it, let's be clear, they wouldn't have had it. You can't save the pension; it's over. Because number one, the the French, uh, although lovely people, are not known to be quote hardworking people when you have a socialist system, people don't do that. They don't. They just do what? They, they hang out. They get their free government, whatever. Right in Italy, this might, oh, maybe this might just shock you, but in Italy, this is a good example. If I wanted to fire somebody in Calabria, which is the southern part of Italy, Italy I don't know if it applies to the whole country, I believe it does, but I'm telling you about an experience one of my clients had with her company in southern Italy. She wanted to fire somebody. Here's how it goes. You say, Joe, you're fired. And then in Calabria, in Italy, they take that person, and you're ready for this? They take that person and they say, you go home. And in two months, a judge will decide whether or not you really get fired. Present your evidence. And by the way, the state pays for Joe's attorney. The owner, she has to pay for her own attorney. You present before a judge and guess what? This whole time while, while Joe is home on vacation, drinking wine, having cheese, sitting under the, the grapevine terrace, uh, Joe's getting paid. Yep. By who? <laughs> by the company. Joe's getting paid by the company to be home. Of course he's happy being fired. Then the judge says, present your case. And Joe presents his case. I'm a hardworking guy. Look, I showed up three out of four days. Uh, I, should be, I should still get a job. And then on the other side, you wouldn't believe this. She has to present her case. And the judge decides, mm, nope, you can't fire him. Or yes, you can, but you have to give him six months severance. What? Who, who owns this company anyway? And by the way, you're required to pay 50% tax in Italy. So when you think you own a company, you don't. And most of Europe, most most of socialist Europe is the same. Now France and Ireland are not, I know that. Scotland is not. But most of socialized Europe, the Spain, the France, the Portugals, right? Their job is what? To encourage social harmony. Not to encourage development and creativity. So what do you get? Well, you get exactly what I just mentioned. You get a judge that decides whether or not you can fire somebody. So I digress as I get back to my saving of social security. Here's what I would do. You're going to raise the minimum from 62 to 65. I'm sorry if you were 54 years old and you thought you were going to get 55 years old and you thought you were going to get social security at 62. No, you don't. Now I would retain for the next five years, six years or something, whatever the number is, specifically for disability, right? That still holds. Widows still holds, age 60. If you're a widow at age 60, you can begin to collect Social Security. I wouldn't have a problem with that under Arif's new rule. I think that's okay. All right. Number two is, I would have Social Security continue to grow. Instead of stopping at age 70, I would have it go to age 75. So that means age 75, it continues to grow. Very important because people are working. Why not have their social security check continue to grow? If they don't need it at age 70, the government, the social security administration can keep social security dollars instead of having to pay it out to people for an additional five years. That's important. And then, you know, what's called the full retirement age. When you max out, When you hit 100%, because you can go higher, right? You can go 108, 116, 124%. You can continue to go if your today's current retirement age is 67. But in ARIF's Social Security world, I would move that to 72. And I would say, guys, you can start collecting Social Security at 65. But at 72, that's when we're hitting our full retirement age. You do that, and you save Social Security. I know I did it rough calculations. But with our regular national growth rate, and I was even a bit more generous, you're saving Social Security for somewhere in the neighborhood of about 120 years. 120 years, we are golden. We are taking care of our seniors. There's provisions in Arif's world for military, because I think we want to make sure our soldiers are taken care of. You see, when Rome was creating an annuity system, a social security system, what it did is it said, hey, if you're a soldier and you serve somewhere in the Roman territory, in the Roman Holy Roman Empire, and you serve for 20 years, then you will receive a pension. Now, the pension was an annuity. So you could live anywhere in the Roman world, live in Gaul, today's France. You could live anywhere Northern Italy, you can live in Northern Africa, wherever the Roman Empire existed, and live out the rest of your days, and once a month you would go to the local garrison and they would pay you your pension as a retired soldier. That was a social security, that was an annuity, believe it or not. The first annuities are about 2,000 years old, and in some form or fashion. Social Security is an annuity, it's the same thing. Listen, annuities are bad when they have hidden fees. When somebody tells you it's an 8% guarantee, it's a hidden fee, I don't like that, it's sneaky. Say what it is. You wanna pay a fee, if you're gonna give up this money just so you can get a guaranteed income, great. Then that might be a wonderful account. But if you're not, if you're not willing to give up the principal, give up the money, so that on the other side you could end up with a lifetime income stream, then, then why not get a different type of annuity? There's there's plenty of them out there. You'll always hear the stock market broker type guys and gals hate annuities. Why? Because they can't receive a commission or a fee off of it. Right? They were trained differently. So their, their psychology is different. If you don't own the company, I own Total Financial Solutions, TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services is our company. We have... Nine employees of our nine quality, hardworking employees Our three offices, good locations, good. I decide, isn't that weird? I don't have to ask permission of anybody. So you can have a great person as a financial advisor, broker. And by the way, I'm going to be clairvoyant for a minute. Um, I think they're a vice president. Yeah, because everybody's a vice president, just so you know. Right, either you're brand new, you're you're a secretary, or you're a vice president. All of these companies put everybody as a vice president, vice president, vice president. Oh yes, Eric, I work with the vice president, Raymond uh, McDonald and Jones, and uh, yeah, James, yeah, I work with the vice president. Okay, everybody's the vice president, just so you know, which is fine. Listen, titles don't mean a whole lot. What's the power that goes with the title? Right? Are you allowed? to decide whatever it is that you want to offer your clients. If you find something that's best, can you do that? That's my problem. That's my point. Make sure you're protecting your accounts. Make sure you're protecting your income. Make sure you're growing your income. Because in the Arab's world, it is very, very yucky. I know to change social security, but for people that are 55 and older or 56 and older, it's not going to affect you one bit. Not at all. Done. We have enough money for that. We do. But in 2032, 2033, right in that area, there's only enough for about 66 to 70% of your payment. Meaning if you were supposed to receive $4,000 a month, you'll probably receive $3,000 a month. So if you want to fix that before it's too late, you're going to have to make a decision now. Ronald Reagan had a decision made. The Democrats hated it. George Bush, number two, had a decision made. Democrats didn't like it, but there was a bipartisan support, enough to push it through. The day after 9-11 hit is when they were supposed to introduce the legislation. So the impact, really, of 9-11 could be to collapse our Social Security system. It could. And that's important. You know that. Because it's an unintended consequence because the country shifted its focus. literally the day after nine eleven was the presentation and the implementation soon to be afterwards of a saving of social security. We'd be in a completely different place now. so George W. Bush too, you know george George W. Bush uh we always call him Bush too had an amazing opportunity to do it. Well, he, he couldn't. The country was distracted now. And rightfully so, right? But nobody ever got back to it. Nobody. It's going to take somebody with courage. I, I don't know. I, I think it's President Trump that has the courage. I think this uh, idea, if if you guys indict, if the left wing indicts President Trump, you have solidified his nomination and you have solidified probably his next presidency. Because do you really think that even the normal, common, everyday person is going to go, well, this sounds right. President Trump resisted arresting Hillary Clinton on actual treason terms. Her entire server was hacked. We know this today by China. We know this today that Russia had all of the emails in real time. And she destroyed the evidence by drilling holes and bleach bit, bit. You guys know the story. The FBI covered it up by giving everybody immunity so nobody would talk. And now they want to go after President Trump? I hope nobody riots, but you should protest. But you should do so without violence. Stay with me after this. I have your emails coming up after the break. Your emails to me, Erev Hallaby. On the Total Financial Hour, TFS Financial Insurance Services, at your place for news, talk, and information. Stay with me at 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'll be right back.
1: Every got a job to do. Arup makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy.
0: Hey, welcome back! Thanks for staying with me, Arif Halaby. The Total Financial Hour. For those of you just joining us, second hour of the show, we talk about your emails. I love it when you send me emails. Uh, let me give you the email address so you can write that down. It's Araf, Arif, A R I F. That's Arif at tfswealth TFS Wealth stands for Total Financial Solutions. So TFS. Wealth, as in a lot of money, dot com. All right, I love it with your emails, and there's a lot of reasons why I like your emails because it tells me what you're thinking when you guys are so gracious, you come into the office, we sit, we talk, we go over the different uh, issues, things, concerns that I can help you with. It's always important to do that. I think part of what your family's finances are all about is understanding that there's an emotional component to money. Right, For a lot of people, money wasn't just about uh you know, buying things, it was a sense of security. You know, I remember seeing an interview with young kids that were single moms. Some had other siblings that didn't come from the same dad. So you had one mom, three kids with two dads, that kind of thing. And mom would have two jobs and the kids would stay at home. And sometimes the older one would help cook and clean and get the others ready for school if mom was working. And so you had this scenario where one day we asked the kids, I go, what, what do you spend all the money on? And he said, well, bills. I go, well, well what's bills? He goes, well, you know, bills. I said, well, well, when you say bills, what do you mean? He goes, well, just bills. That's fascinating to me because a bill, quote, isn't a thing. It's a result of a thing, right? You have an electric bill. When you spend money, you're buying electricity. You're not buying a bill right you have a gas bill mortgage payment which is a bill so my thought is that younger generation is always looking at at things the way their parents see them and it takes a while and sometimes we never really undo it we never really get in there and say we're going to change the way that we see things because you don't even know that it's a problem right i want to share something with you before i get to your first email I've kind of uncovered, and I I want to share it with you because I'm going to develop it a little bit as I start to see patterns of behavior even even in a greater way with our clients and with some of the young people that I speak to and some of the places that I talk uh, and give lectures. It's this. I think there are four phases of life, four phases of life, and each of them are broken down in about 25 years, something like that. The first is when we are fed, we're educated, it's when we grow, it's when we're born, the first 25 years. We're growing ourselves, we're learning both from the school, the education system, we're learning socially, we're learning emotionally. We're learning to become who we are going to be. Okay, that's that first time. A little bit of greed starts to come in, a little bit of selfishness, you know, when kids on the playground, mine, in the play, playpen, mine, give me, it's my turn. My cookie, right? My, my, my. First 25 years. And look, I'm not saying just when you're four and six years old, you guys do it when you're 21 and 24 years old. Mine, mine, mine. All right? That's the first 25 years. Second 25 years is about raising children. It's about duplicating our values. It's about being firm with what we believe. So from age 26 to 50 years old, we have this depth of moral and financial habits that are being formed that we wanna we want to propagate out there. We want to, to duplicate. We want to make sure other people hear it. So people write books, they they speak, they have children, they do all sorts of things in that world to create and duplicate who they are. And by the way, it's where your financial habits really start being formed. You get it when in your first twenty five years. That's why I'm saying when that younger generation is there, we see it paying bills. What's a bill? I don't know. It's a bill. But the second 25 years, you have a chance to pull the veil back a little bit and to see who you really are. Right? That's when you start saving in your financial uh, accounts at work, usually. It's when you buy your first home, usually. Right? That second 25 years, you're getting in there and you're duplicating, you're building your financial wealth based on what you learned the first 25 years. So the financial decisions you make, what you call normal, where you put your money. Okay, what about the third 25 years? My observation is that third 25 years is really more about rebuilding life after your children are gone. You did everything you were supposed to do. That third 25 years takes you from age 51 to 75 There's a transition, the kids are older, they don't need you as much. Now they really do need you, but you think they don't and they think they don't. So we capitulate and say, ah, I don't need, you don't need me. You start to think who who am I as a person, right? Your greed is now more about your time and your health. You start to fear that a little bit more. There's a bit more fear where the second 25 was about accumulating things, getting that fancy car, getting that house, now your second house, now your biggest house. That third 25 years, from age 56 to 75, you're trying to rebuild that relationship with your spouse or build it if you didn't have it to begin with or amplify it if you're happy with what you have because your job of raising children is usually done during that period of time. They're gone. It's over. You're like, what do I do now? right, my first 25 years was raising myself. Second 25 years raising my kids. Third 25 years is what? Sometimes it's taking care of your family, your parents. Sometimes it's taking care of others. But it's often rebuilding and solidifying your financial place, the security for the rest of your life. And the fourth 25 years, that's all about legacy. That's about reviewing where you're going to donate your money, who's going to get it, why, what. What do you want to be known for? It's laying out and passing to the next generation. More money than values. Your values were that second 25 years. You're going to re-solidify it. You're going to reinforce it in the third 25 years. But in the fourth 25 years, your goal now is more about money, stuff, things, stories. Values and habits, they already have. Now, if you're blessed enough in your fourth 25 years from age... 76 to age 100, to have your health, to be involved in your children, grandchildren, probably great-grandchildren's lives, then you can pass on that amazing habits, experiences, don't do this, always do that, never do this, right? That's what that fourth 25 years from age 76 to age 100, that's what it's about. I want to share that with you so that you you kind of have in a little bit of what my mindset is and why I think what I think, because I'm all about leaving a legacy. I'm all about kind of guiding towards that third and fourth phase in life, right? I think that's really a big part of it. Making sure that you and others understand that rebuilding life, solidifying those financial decisions, making sure I don't have to worry about running out of money. That's what that third and fourth 25 years is all about. And that's where we fit, right? There's some really good financial guys and gals out there who specialize in the risk and and let me be clear on this if anybody tells you that we do everything oh we do everything stocks bonds mutual funds reits real estate gold you have to look at yourself and 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 do two things one you might feel a little sorry for him because that's what they were told they were supposed to be good at but after you're in this business for more than about 15 minutes you know that nobody can specialize in all of those things you know it look at your career i'm an engineer well what kind oh my gosh i'm an engineer that works on this piece of the bridge, not the entire bridge, but this part of the bridge. Well, I, I thought you were an electrical engineer. They're called an engineer. Oh, no, that's completely different. A, a mechanic. I'm a mechanic. Well, what do you fix? Everything. Eh. You know what? No, thanks. I'll pass. But if you tell me you're a mechanic that fixes Japanese cars, the brakes, you know, on Honda Accords from this year to this year, I'm in. If I have a Honda Accord. German cars. Oh, air, if I fix German cars. Great. What kind? Only Mercedes, not Audi, I'm in, right? So in other words, I want somebody who does exactly what I need. And then I'm going to find an expert that also does the transmissions, right? If I have a physician, I don't go to one doctor and say, give me everything. That's why family practice doctors make a lot less money than heart surgeons or a brain surgeon. Or a person who does orthopedic knee replacements. Those people, those specialists make a lot more money. They're much more valuable. That's all they do. But they went to medical school. They sure did. We all were trained financially. Yep, we sure were. But what is your specialty? What is the the thing you focus on? Anybody that says they can do everything. I'm licensed for everything. I'm like, "Uh, you know, I'm going to pass. All right, here, let me get to your email. I think this is important because... uh, Mel sent this email, and his big issue might be a bit familiar to some of you. Um, and I think it's important you understand this. All right. So here's the email from Mel. Uh, he sent it to Arif at tfswealth.com. Arif, A-R-I-F, at tfswealth.com. So if you have a question, you want to send me an email, that's how you do it. All right. Here, here's my, here's the email. Dear Arif. Thank you for a great show that that always seems to have a great mix of politics and finances. Oh, you're welcome, Bill. My wife of 39 years passed away and left me with numerous bills and expenses. Most of them I did not know that we even had, or I was told that they were already paid off. Apparently, she would buy many things that we either didn't need or that we had already had plenty of, um, too many of in the first place. Here's my concern. I do not know what to do with all of these items many of which still have the tags on or are still in their original boxes. I found most of this in an old storage unit she had and also in her upstairs closet. My question is, what should I do with this stuff? Another question is about her credit card. Since she had handled all the bills, paying our house, all the expenses, etc., I did not realize how bad it had become. Some of the cards are just in her name And some are in both of our names. Do I have to pay them all since I never charged any of it? Sincerely, Mel. Okay, Mel, here's a a big deal. And some of you, again, may be in this position. Many of you find that assets, many of you might find assets that you didn't know you had, right? You've heard me talk about unclaimedproperty.com unclaimed property. You can go to the California unclaimed property. If somebody has lived in other states, you know, Florida, Nevada, Arizona, any other state, then you want to go to that state's unclaimed property. They're all available online these days and it's it's out there. All right. So you might find assets. Now, why I'm saying that is because sometimes people that have a propensity to charge more than they would or should They also have with that uh, checks they failed to cash, accounts they didn't know they had or they forgot. So these seem to go hand in hand. Okay, so maybe there'll be some money out there to help pay some of these bills, my point. All right, sometimes where they worked, there was an old life insurance policy, especially if somebody was employed when they pass away. Unions and companies often have what's called a group life insurance policy. So it might be $1,000, could be $10,000. It could be one year's wages. Sometimes we see that. Okay, so kind of look out to see if you can find assets, find dollars, money that's out there that you didn't know you had. All right. So back to the, to the stuff. So let's think about this. In 27 plus years of doing this, and then 10 years prior as a, as a uh, personal trader and investor, And I kind of mentored some people along the way in the first 10 years, but 27 years as a professional, I have found that people use stuff to, to solve emotional and psychological issues. That's very important. You know that it's not about, I need six pairs of shoes. Maybe they do, right? You have flats and and hills for, for girls heels, rather. Uh, You know, I have a different color, tennis shoes and dress shoes and hiking boots. So all of us have different, it's not so much that. It's the idea that they don't physically put it into use. I'm okay if you have 10 of something, but you're using all 10. Okay, well then you may not quote need it, but you're using them. My concern is the tags are still on them and they're still in boxes. That's where I, that's where I have an issue. I'll give you an example of a client we had, a wonderful person, good husband, Christian family, had kids and she would, for whatever reason, start buying purses. That was her thing, handbags. So she would buy them at different stores, not very expensive ones necessarily, but numerous, many, many. Well, you get a high from that. You understand that. There's a high when you buy something, when, you, when you're a compulsive type uh, person, whether it's gambling or investing or you know, whatever it is. If you're a compulsive person of any sort, you also will buy things, and in her particular case, she hid the handbags in the bottom of the closet, the downstairs hall closet. Because there's a sense of shame that comes from those things, right? So you hide it, now there's a shame, and you put it in the closet. It's kind of like you bury your sin, right? God says you can't bury your sin. I'll I'll always see it, even if it's in the dark. Well, it's the same thing, the shame that comes with... Her husband didn't know about it, but she would hide them. And then she would have so many of them and she would donate them to a woman's shelter, domestic violence shelter, those kinds of things, and donate them. And boy, she was the hero for the day. Right? There's another high, an emotional high, that comes from buying it. And that emotional high that you receive from doing that fills the gap for a little while. But it's just like a drug. It eventually wears out, and you've got to do this all over again. So here's what I want you to do. Consider taking some of the items back to the stores if it's not too late. Some stores have, like Costco, unlimited times, right, where you can take things back. That's why people buy televisions from Costco and Sam's Club and Walmart just before the Super Bowl, and then they take them back afterwards and say, oh, I didn't like it. (laughs) But they, you know, hung it up on the wall, they installed it, and they had the big 80-inch television to watch the big game, and then they turned around and, you know, brought it back. My opinion, it's stealing if you do that. Not if it didn't work. If it didn't work, it didn't work. That's different, but it's stealing when you do that. But in this particular case, as long as they're undamaged, that kind of thing, or if the stores will take them back, they do have a mechanism in place to take those things back if it's still resellable or you can tell them the story, especially if it was put on the store's credit cards like the Target Visa or the JCPenney card, those kinds of cards, they might have some flexibility. It's worth it to do a little bit of detective work behind the scenes. Now, Mel, if you can't take them back, then consider donating them. You're never going to get the full value, right? You're going to have to make sure you check with your your CPA and say, I'm going to donate this. What's the value? What can I put on my tax return? He'll tell you or she'll tell you, whatever that number is. But here's another thing I want you to do, which I think is pretty important. You need to pull a credit report. Like I'd almost start from the beginning, Right, I'd almost go and say, let's pull a credit report and see who you are. Let's pull a credit report. See what's missing. See what else is out there. See what credit cards she has that the bills may be going to at a P.O. box or a third, or her mother's house or her cousin's house. So pull a credit report. So here's how you guys pull a credit report. Do not, ready for this, do not go to FreeCreditReport.com and think that the credit report is free. It's not. FreeCreditReport.com is not free. Now you can go there and pay for the services and if you like it, great. Use it. But do not go there and think that it's the free one. The free credit report that you could get is actually called AnnualCreditReport.com How confusing, right? www.AnnualCreditReport.com I'll say it again, www.annualcreditreport.com. That's the only source for free credit reports. It's what the IRS and the federal government says you can actually use. uh, Annualcreditreport.com. Okay. Let's do that. Let's get a foundation, see where we are, right? That, that might tell you if there's other credit cards out there, other bills. Mel, here's another part. You know, 39 years, you love her. You cared about her. Right? It's obvious you're, that, that there's pain in your heart too. But let's be clear on who's responsible legally for her debts, all right? When This is according to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Concern, it's just another federal agency. Whether or not they should exist is beside the point at the moment, but they do exist and they're currently run by the left wing. So, you know, each, each administration has its own opportunity to put whoever they want in charge of it. And in this particular time, it's the left wing that, that runs the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. All right. Am I responsible for my spouse's debts? They indicate a couple of things. When they die with unpaid debt, the money and property left in the estate is generally designed to pay off their debts. So if she had a single savings account or a checking account that was just under her name, you may have to use those funds to pay down some of her debts. But if when your spouse dies, you're generally not responsible for their debt unless it's a shared debt. So here's the problem. If it is a joint bank account and it's a joint credit card and she bought it, you may have to use your money to pay it off. You may be obligated to that. But before you just start writing checks and sending it all out, talk to somebody on the phone. Tell them the story. I want you to keep a notebook. Maybe handwritten. It's what I do. I, you know, Computers are nice, but sometimes handwritten is better. And I want you to write it down on March 20th at 2.42 p.m., this phone number is the one that I dialed. I spoke to Susie. Always get their last name. Or I always say, hi, Susie. Great. Thanks. Susie, do you have a last name I can reference or a, an agent number or, or some sort of an employee number? They go, oh, yeah. Susie, I can't give out my last name, but my employee number is one seven six four three two. Got it. Susie, 14765. I write that down. Who I spoke to when. And I ask this. Okay. Susie, here's my problem. Are you a person that can say yes or solve this problem? Or are you just somebody that can say no? I don't mean any disrespect. But if they didn't give you the power, then I'm talking to the wrong person. So I need to speak to a person who can help solve the problem, not just somebody who says no. All right, so so be firm, but be kind, because you're going to need their help. So when somebody pays... Uh, so continuing with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau... When someone dies with an unpaid debt, if the debt needs to be paid, it should be paid from any money or property left behind in the estate, according to state law. If there is no estate, right? If there's no money or property left in the estate, or the estate can't pay, then the debt will generally just be written off. The the, the estate does... Uh, sorry, the, the, the law in the state of California, does require you to pay off debts if there's chunks of money left over. But you need to see, does that include her retirement account? You're going to have to ask your lawyers. I don't want you just writing checks so that you're going to say, and listen, this is what people do, and this this drives me crazy, but I understand it. Arif, I want to honor her legacy. I'm going to pay off all of her debts. I go, great, how much money do you have? That's it. I don't have any more money. I'm going to take her entire retirement account, which means you're going to pay taxes on it, but you're not going to get to spend it. You have to give it to them. So you pay taxes on money that's going to go to pay her debts, and when you are old and can't work, or next week when you need money, tough luck, there is no money for you to live. Right? The reason that credit card companies charge higher interest rates is because they understand there's a risk that comes with it. The reason mortgage companies charge lower interest rates because if you don't pay they take your house. Best Buy and Target and Walmart and all these other companies they know when they give you credit they're not going to come and take an old dishwasher. Now side note Sears used to do that. Sears would come if you owed $10 on a washer machine they would come and take it right out of your house. No kidding. They would do that. But will most companies do that? No. They don't. They're just going to say, well, we're going to write it off. That's why those companies will charge a higher interest rate. Now you can put rightfully or wrongfully. So a moral obligation, you can put a financial requirement on top of that and say, it doesn't matter. We're married. We did a pinky swear. She's my sister, whatever it was. And I'm going to pay off all of her debts. Great. Does that mean you go to be homeless? Oh, uh, well, you know, not quite, but uh, well, listen, you got to ask yourself, does it make sense? Because a debt collector can contact you about a spouse's debt, but here's what the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says. There are generally certain rules when a debt collector can contact you about a debt. For example, if you are the spouse, debt collectors can mention the debt to you and you have the right to learn about it. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to talk with the lawyer guys. It's going to cost you a few dollars. Probably a bankruptcy lawyer is the right person to speak with. Generally speaking, I think that's the place to start. There's a couple of good guys and gals out there that I like. So if you need help, give us a call. 888 retire 888 3847 That's 888 retire And I can give you their information and their name. You don't have to work with them, but it's worth a shot. Important you understand this. Do not start sending checks out right away. Here's why. Because in some cases, they have built in a mechanism to pay this off because they know a certain percentage of their customers are going to die every year. So they have a kind of a fund or a profit cushion, if you will, to pay for this. And if you mention it sometimes to the person first person you speak with they'll put it into the notes especially if it's a lower amount now if it's american express with $25,000 oh expect them to to sue you or the estate right they'll, they'll they're going to push for that but if it's a 500 or 700 or 1200 or you know i don't know where i don't know where the number drops let's say $2,500 debt they probably depending on the visa mastercard discover they probably will write it off all right, But what are you going to do for sure? Speak to a lawyer. Not a CPA. Not a financial professional. Except for a bankruptcy lawyer, in my opinion. I would start with the bankruptcy lawyer. He or she might push you in a different direction. Like, oh, go speak to this you know, specialist or this specialist. But guys, don't start writing checks. If it's a joint account, that goes to the top priority. Because that will affect your credit. It could affect you know, your estate and they cannot just kick you out of your house. If it's your primary house, they're not going to sue you and put you on the street. But if you don't have enough money to pay the property taxes, the County will sue you and put you on the street. Right? So you better make sure that you have this protection in place because you have to pay your electric bills. You have to do those things. Let's prioritize Mel. So we don't make a mistake. All right. I'm so sorry for your loss. I hope that her memory is, this is just a short term little blip. And her memory is honorable. All right, folks, stay with me. I have another email. Very interesting when I come back. I have found this to be the case with a lot of you. 888-99-RETIRE. When I come back, what do we do about a soon-to-be-retired husband and their retirement account? Their 401k at work. I have that information for you and more on the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Hallaby. Stay with me. we we'll are right back.
1: Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about Financial power, the total financial power. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial Strategy. learn from learn about financial power the total financial hour now has a plan for
0: me hey welcome back thanks for staying with me I'm Arif Halaby. this is the total financial hour talking about your family's finances helping you get out out of debt and really planning for your future I think a lot of people forget that the idea of Of planning for the future is, and that's one of the reasons why I covered my, uh, you know, my four phases of life, because that's how we have to think. So as a firm, and and when it comes to specialization in one area or one thing or another, there has to be a, a deeper understanding of the different phases in life and how in this last phase of life, right from age 75 or so to the rest of our life, how things need to be done differently Then in our second phase in life, I'll give you a good example. Stock, bond, mutual funds. You want risk? Do it. Why? Because your food, your shelter, your clothing, that comes from your retirement account. I mean, from your income, right? You're young. You're working. Your job is paying for your bills. Let your retirement account go up, down, up, down. Why? Because you're buying when more shares are up. You're buying when shares are down. You're buying when shares are up. You're buying when shares are down. Let that happen. That's what it's supposed to do. And you're going to see that on a regular basis when you and I are sitting there trying to plan for our future. Well, of course you're going to be scared, but you're 37 years old, unless it's an account that you're going to use for some sort of, uh, you know, adventure or buying an RV or buying a boat or, okay, fine. You're going to have to wait because the market is down. But if it is retirement and you're 39 years old, let it ride. That's its job. Okay. Now, what about the other side of things? Now I'm in my 60s or 70s. Should I still keep my retirement account when I'm not adding to it? Now, this would also apply. Let's say you left a job when you're 50 years old. You left a job and your just retirement account is going up, down, up, down, up, down. You shouldn't leave it in the market, in my opinion. Because there's no more benefit to being in the market. Okay, now, at the risk of sounding like other financial people giving you percentages and dollars and fractions and square roots and blah, 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 blah. No, I want to just give you numbers that are really basic because I think that's what matters to you. If I'm wrong, okay, I'm wrong. But 27 years of experience, 3,000 radio shows, and probably almost as many emails from you, I don't think I'm wrong. So here's what I mean. Think of it like this. Who makes the rules, rich or poor people? Of course rich people do. Now, do they make the rules to benefit themselves, their friends, and their family, Or do they make the rules to hurt themselves, their friends, and their family? What do you think? You're right. I think rich people have always made the rules. Whether you were Genghis Khan, whether you were Napoleon, Fidel Castro, Putin, you make the rules to benefit yourself, your friends, your family. They always have. The United States of America, when it was formed, was no different, except in one little area. There's an asterisk all the way down on the bottom. Most of you don't see it because you don't look that far. All the way down on the Constitution. And it says, the rules apply to everyone. Now, figure it out, you win. Don't figure it out, you lose. Now, people know this. That's why they die coming on a boat to try to get to the United States. Because they know that the rules apply to everybody. And when the rules apply to everybody, all you have to do is figure out a couple of things. One of those specifically is, uh, what are the rules? And then when you realize what the rules are and you say, oh, listen, I don't have to be from that family, that last name. I don't have to live over in that part of town. I don't have to look like this. I can become wealthy no matter what. Can you say Frederick Douglass? Can you say the countless African-Americans that have been and risen to state, local, and even federal office in the last hundred years? Can you say Asians that have risen to local office, state, and federal office? So it doesn't matter who you are. The left wing wants you to think that the outside appearance, because you can't change that. right? When you can't change it, it means you are powerless. And if they can convince you you're powerless, then you will do nothing. You will sit there, at, thank you, I'll have another. Can I have another, please? And you put out your little hands and you'll get porridge in your little cup and you'll do nothing. Because they think you are weak. Because they convince you and others that the only way you can be successful is if you look like that. And now if you look like that, you're the oppressor. But if you look like this, you're a perpetual perennial victim that just lives forever as a victim. Victim, 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 victim. Uh, wait a second. Uh, if you're a victim, can you explain to me why the uh, black slave owner, Marie Celeste Dragon? was a wealthy slave owner from Haiti and she was black. Uh, can you explain to me how she had over 40 slaves? And this is in 1850s, 1840s? Can you explain to me why, if, if rich people uh, make the rules, uh, but the, only for white people, why Maria Theresa Metoyer in, in 1742 had countless slaves on her plantation, a black lady? Uh, you, you follow me? The rules apply to everybody. You figure them out, you win. Back then, one of the rules was slavery. So they figured it out. And in their world, right, financially, they won. Today, the rules are very simple. The same. Since 1865, now you have to figure it out. Right? Thurgood Marshall, Chief Justice, your Justice of the Supreme Court. You understand, a a black man. uh, Yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. 50 60 40 80, not, a long time ago years and years and, not last week a mixed race president who by the way is the hated person in the left wing right they didn't like mixed races they they passed the democrats passed all these laws in the south against forbidding it getting marriage licenses male uh, female black male, male white whatever black white so when barack obama became president as a mixed race man uh, the the left wing looked at him differently. Conservatives looked at him differently. We didn't care about his appearance. What did we care about? Well, we cared about what kind of socialist values was he going to bring? What kind of change was he going to bring? Right? That's what we cared about. And then the conservative party, the left wing cared about what he looked like. Black first, black, black. He wasn't the first black president. I'm telling you, the first black president is going to come from the Republican party because the racist Democrats all they look at is race. You have to look at that. Because the reason they do that is so you don't do anything because you can't control your parents. You can't control what you look like. You can't control how tall you are. You can't control whether you're a male or a female. Regardless of what they say. And so when that's the case, they don't want you to do anything. Now what I'm saying is I think that's a lie. And why I think it's a lie is very simple because I think if you play your cards right, if you understand that rich people write the rules, make it to benefit themselves, their friends and their family, all you have to do is learn them. So what are the rules? Well, it's very simple. The rules say this, if you put money in the market, stock market, and it's not a retirement account and you lose money, the rules say you can write it off on your taxes, right? you lost money, you bought stock X and it went down, you lost money, you sold it, cashed it in, deducted on my income. But isn't it interesting that if you have that same loss inside of your IRA or 401k, now I'm not saying you're taking advantage of the ups and downs, because remember you stopped buying. So it isn't going up and down and you're buying, 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 dollar cost averaging is what we call it. Instead very simple. It's gone down and you have less net worth today. You see, if your retirement account goes down and it's in the market, you can't deduct the losses on your taxes. Guess what? You can't deduct, ready for this? You can't deduct the fees. You can't deduct the fees. 99%. I don't know. Most Americans don't write a check every year from their retirement account fees and say, don't don't debit my retirement account. Don't take fees out of there. Instead, Morgan James, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you a check. They don't do that. They say deduct it from my fee, my, the fees from my account. Can't write it off in your taxes. Sorry. That's the second reason. I think rich people don't put their money in the same place they want you to put your money. Because when they write the rules, they're not going to do it to hurt themselves, their friends, and their family. What's the third rule? Well, it's very simple. If you pass away and your money is in the market and it's not in a retirement account and you have gains, your beneficiaries get all of those gains tax-free, right? I put $100,000 in Tesla stock of 40, 30 years ago, and today it's worth a million dollars. Your beneficiaries receive a million dollars tax-free. Here you go. Put that same $100,000 in your IRA, in the same stock, bond, mutual fund, whatever, and it goes up to a million, your kids have to pay taxes on a million dollars. Your spouse has to pay taxes on a million dollars. You don't receive long-term capital gains. You have to pay what's called ordinary income tax. So even if you did have a gain and you're still alive and you're gonna use the money, you don't get to, 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 to declare the lowest tax rate today called capital gains tax. You don't get to declare that. You have to decide it uh, you have to declare it as uh, ordinary income, one of the highest taxes we pay possible. So you see, I think if rich people wrote the rules to benefit themselves or their friends and their family, and we're just using this generic third-party non-biased review and you're telling me that I don't receive any of those benefits if my money's in the market. Should I put my money in the market? If it's a retirement account. So then why do they do that? Why do they want to create that kind of, well, it's very simple. It's very simple. You see the market, the stock market is based on supply and demand, isn't it? And if it's based on supply and demand, and if I have my money in a non-retirement stock market account, and you put your money in the same stock bond mutual fund, you push up the price. And I get all the benefits, right? I mean, wait, what? Rich guy gets the benefits. Poor guy puts it in through his paycheck every two weeks, pushes up the stock price. Thanks so much. I've held this for more than a year. I don't have to pay taxes at the same rate, sometimes nothing at all. That's why. So with that as our foundation, with that as the knowledge, I still want you to put money into the market if you're working. Because the matching from the employer, the the dollar cost averaging is a good thing to have. It boosts the balance. It's a good thing. Fine. Let it go. But here is a pretty important part. Because Jennifer and Joe, I guess he goes by Joseph. Sorry, Joe. Jennifer and Joseph do a couple of things. And here's what they say. Dear Arif, I'm 63 years old. My husband is 69. He is retiring at the end of summer and we need to do something with his 401k plan from his current job. He is also starting Social Security at the same time. He's going to be 70 years old in August. I know there are annuities that specialize in a monthly income stream. Okay. I would like to have one of those to supplement our income. We are used to taking home about $7,700 a month. Between Social Security and... And my, uh, between his social security and mine, we will have about $5,100 a month. Okay, so they're missing $2,600 a month. Here we go. To live the same lifestyle that we're accustomed to, that $2,600 a month needs to come in because plus I'm worried about inflation. All right, it makes sense. She continues, Jennifer, my mother passed away last winter and my brother and I have each inherited 575000 This is all after-tax money, and all the taxes were already paid. My husband worked for the same company for over 40 years, and his 401k plan balance today is $1.6 million. All right, so here's what I want you guys to do. Depending on where the market is next week, the day after, I really wouldn't kind of Try to dollar cost or try to time the market rather. I think timing the market has been mostly uh, debunked as a theory. just doesn't work. You can get a little closer maybe than some if you're good, but I don't know. So here's what I would do. I would do an in-service rollover of one million dollars. To do that, we would roll it over while he's still working. You can do it this week, next month, anytime, before the end of summer, because he has past the age of 59 and a half. When you're past the age of 59 and a half, you can still work and get out some of your savings, move out some of your retirement accounts, kind of protect it and preserve it so that you're not going down anymore, yet still keep your retirement account open at the job where you're still adding money, you're still putting money in, you can still do that. But you can remove some or all or part of that 401k or 457, whatever type of plan you might have, move that over, protect it, and now keep adding to the new to the old account if you wanted, so by doing that guys, Jen and jo- uh, Joseph, if you moved over a million dollars, that would give you forty four hundred dollars a month or about fifty three thousand a year. That's more than enough for that twenty six hundred It protects it, it lets it grow, protects inflation. now, if you left six hundred thousand dollars in a money market account there at the job. Right? Not a CD, not a bank account, but a money market account. If that's the right thing to do, I don't know. You might you're going to have to check with a financial professional that that deals with the with your firm's or his firm's retirement account. See what's available. Maybe that's the right place because you just don't need the risk anymore. You're good, you're done. You have passed the point of needing the risk. The reason I would have the $600,000 off to the side and protected is because when one of you passes away, we're going to lose the lower of the two social security checks, right? That's very important. When you lose that social security check, your income taxes will double, will double because you're no longer just about double basically because you're no longer filing married filing Uh, together, right? You're now filing separate uh, or what we call a single person. Single filing single means you will pay more taxes. So right at the time when we lose some of the social security checks, we're also going to be paying more income tax potentially on what you have left in income. So you have to be protected. You need to check with the CPA. We're very good at working with tax preparers and CPAs. We let them guide the tax conversation. They tell us what works and what doesn't work. They give us numbers. Obviously, I've done this long enough where we know how to use their their language. When they talk to us, we know how to interpret it and build a plan that works great for you. And by the way, great job on waiting for him to be uh, age 70. I like that because at age 70 his social security is, is maxed out. Because remember, we didn't implement ERIF's Uh, (laughs) change to Social Security. We didn't do that yet. So age 70, you're still going to be fine. But this is the other part that I think you should understand. Things like gas, uh, dry cleaning, eating out, it's probably going to be a little bit less because in retirement, you're probably not going to spend the same amount of money. Not everybody spends less, but some do. Right, If you stop driving to work, but you spend money on the golf course three days a week, okay, maybe that's a wash. If you no longer are going to drive to work, but now you have an RV where that that gets six miles a gallon, okay, you're going to spend more on gas, but you get the idea. So see what it takes. I always say, if you're going to retire, especially if you have the option, you have a long vacation, let's play pretend. Let's see what retirement would be like. For a month or for two weeks, whatever you can get off, and live accordingly. See how much money you spend. Things like your electric bill might go up a little bit because you're going to both be home, and you may want to use, you know, the heater longer or or the air conditioner in the summer. So you you get my idea. there there's a push and pull. It isn't exactly I'm going to make the same amount of money. I'm going to need to make the same amount of money, but it's a good foundation. Forty four hundred dollars a month, guys. We can do that. That never. Goes down. I love it. And remember this in a few years, you're going to have to do what's called the required minimum distribution. That RMD or that required minimum distribution means that you're going to have to have a certain percentage out every single year. So we can get pretty close to that without touching that 600,000. But if we don't, then you're going to have to take out a little bit more. We understand. Maybe we spend the next couple of years moving it over. The CPA will tell us, hey, you can take out this much. But what do I want to avoid is what I think is pretty important for most Americans, and it's this. You do not need a comprehensive 15-part plan. You're going to come in and spend four hours with me so we can get to know each other. I can find out about your dog. Uh, I want to understand you know, what, what your hobbies are. I need to understand you as a person. Just so you know, that's hogwash. Many financial people think that's the way to go. Why do I think it's hogwash and I'm not one of them? It's very simple. Because math is math is math. When you walk into the office or you meet with somebody, you either like them or you don't. And ladies, I'm going to tell you you have a gut instinct, it's called women's intuition. Men, I think we have it too. We just don't use it as much. Maybe we don't use it at all sometimes. (laughs) But we we trust our gut. In the guy world, you don't use the word intuition. It's not masculine. So we say trust your gut. Hmm, your gut. But the same thing applies. You don't do that with the doctor. Hey, listen, doctor, my leg hurts. Well, great. We need two four-hour meetings, and then I'm going to present to you a proposal of how to fix your knee. Would you do that? you would think the doctor's insane. You're like, wait a second, I'm just here for my knee. I don't want to be your best friend. I mean, maybe we'll be friends, but right now, just fix my knee. I don't want to talk about my dog. I don't think you need to know about my future. Fix my knee. When it comes to our financial world, the future is about money, period. You tell me how much you think you need to spend. You're going to say, I don't really know about inflation. We go click, click, click on a calculator and it tells us. So it's not as mysterious and dramatic and uh three ring binder with colored pie charts and graphs it's just a very simple system guys because i think the more complicated people make it the more it lands on the side of the advisor the financial world right i I think if you're going to try to say i trust a financial professional then you better trust them or not. It's okay if you don't. Sometimes you don't like people you don't work with them. Trust your gut. Right? We've had people walk into our office and my staff says we don't really like that person. Something's wrong. They they might have been kind and polite, but we they, I trust my staff. And they say something's wrong with this person or they're not telling us everything and there's something missing and okay, have a nice day. We don't have to work with everybody. Nobody has to work with us. Okay, so keep that in mind because I think that's a big part of your fear for a lot of people is you get into this place where you think you're going to need to do a a 75-part meeting with graphs and pie charts and you got to sit through some sort of a PowerPoint presentation. It's not that difficult. All right, so getting back to you guys, Jen and Joseph, uh, the required minimum distribution is currently age 73. And that's when you have to start taking money out. You cannot wait. If you do, you're going to have a problem and the penalties. So we just make sure it's a formula. The companies do it. We do it. We send it out. And we say, hey, here's the number. This is what it's going to take for you to retire And none. Done. Right? I mean, it's a calculator. All right. I just want to share that with you because so many people have these fancy 16 part plans and I don't think you need that. I mean, listen, we used to do them. I was one of the top people in the country that did the financial needs analysis back in 1996. That was a big part of 97. A big part of what I did. then I started seeing that I would show up at people's homes or they would come to the office and I would say, okay, let's take a look at your financial needs analysis. I thought it was awesome. 30, 40 pages. And if I was at their home, they couldn't even find it. It was underneath all the junk mail. I was like, wait a second. I put all this time and effort into it. I cared about it. I sleep with mine. I thought it was, I thought, Ooh, look at how this is the secret to my future. And I'm looking at it. And as soon as I left their house or, or I gave it to them and I went over it with them, that's it. They had to worry about the dogs and pick up the kids and they had this happening at work and they had to, go, get to you know, go to the store, meaning life happened. So then I realized, right, when you're immature or when you're young as a financial professional, you think certain things matter. No problem. It's the way it is with any profession. But when you get to the place where you know and your experience tells you what's important, it's making sure people have a de- deep understanding of what they need not what I want to present. I hope you understand that. Thanks for being a part of the show. 888 retire That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Halaby. Send me your emails at arif at tfswealth.com or give us a call at 888 retire Have a blessed week.
1: Arup makes your money work for you Learn about financial power, the total and uh, children.